scrimmage. Here's Cora. Welcome to the Casuals to Degenerates podcast. I'm your host, Luke Probasco. And we got a friendly new face here, Jacob Belleville. I mean, it's like old times, you and me doing a podcast together. Yeah, I've made it uh, two weeks in a row, so it's pretty great. No tweet tonight. He's gallivanting, trying to get trades done with Grimm, I'm sure of it. Grimm dropped all sorts of college players. I'm sure they're working up something. But we have a guest with us tonight. Nelly, welcome to our Home League podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. We are excited to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, just so you can give our viewers or listeners, I guess, uh, a little bit of insight into who is Nelly? Yeah, so I uh, started playing Campus to Canton Leagues like three years ago. And as I do with a lot of things in life, I dove into it pretty heavily right away. I, I'm not really able to do things casually. So I kind of build out a massive database like year one of like all these players' metrics, um, like all these players' birthdays and whatnot, and kind of was hooked right away. So I've been playing pretty heavily in, in double-digit leagues now for – for three years and um it's kind of like it's kind of my like strategic hobby right now like dynasty got old campus to canton is like that new thing that no one it's like uncharted territory so i love thinking like roster building strategy um whether that be nfl side uh college side a little bit of both and just trying to think of new ways to find edges in in this format when you first heard of a campus like a campus to Canton league, what were your first thoughts? Um, well, to be honest with you, I wasn't that into college football. Uh, I don't have any. I'm not an alumni of um, any any Division One programs, and so like I didn't really have an in to college football. But I love sports, right? And it was like my initial instinct was like, this gives me skin in the game. This gives me a reason to sit down and watch college football on Saturdays, on Friday nights. Uh, And that was kind of exciting for me. And it was so unknown for me that I was like, I was super excited to kind of take that dive. 
since you didn't, you, you don't have a school that you claim, do you have like a closet school that after watching the games, you're like, oh, I kind of like this program or following this coach or this player or whatever that happens to be? Yeah, so when I was younger, I loved Oregon. The jerseys were just sweet. LaMichael P or no, LaMichael James and Marcus Mariota and those like those Volt yellows were so cool. Um but recently it's been Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin and the baby blue jerseys. Um okay. picked them as my team in the program as well because of because of those those jerseys and and they're like they have a shark mascot that they don't really use. Uh, but it's it's sweet, and I'm a fan of it. <laughs> nice. Well, you also uh, do a podcast weekly uh, for the Devi Marketplace. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So it's myself, uh, Shane Hallam, and Kane Fassell. Um, and we just kind of talk all things Devi uh, and some things NFL, whether that be rookies coming up. Basically, just a lot of things that are Devi or Devi-related. Um we have some fun with it too. We do some random nonsense drafts of just drafting like five things of a different category. I usually don't do so well in those drafts because I stick true to myself. I don't play to the voters. Um, and then we always have a buy, sell, unknown end of the podcast. And we just we we look at Devi from a value perspective in terms of um, player evaluation is so common, right? But the value is really where you can find some edges. So that's what we we try and attack there. So this is not on the show sheet that we have, but I've got a, a question now. Since you do drafts about you know, different things, I have a question. What makes a sandwich? If you were to describe what a sandwich is to somebody, what is a sandwich? Oh, that is such a loaded question. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's anything encompassed by uh, – Two sides of bread. Two sides of bread. So would like a Philly cheesesteak sandwich be considered a sandwich? In my eyes, yes, absolutely. And a hot dog would not be a sandwich because it's not two pieces of bread? Well, but then it gets tricky because like the bun that you use for a Philly cheesesteak is connected on the bottom. I think by definition a hot dog is a sandwich, but I think I think we have to use some logic here. Like a hot dog is not a sandwich, even though maybe it checks out. It's like a tomato is a technically a fruit, but it's not a fruit, right? It's a vegetable by for all intents and purposes. Okay. Well I'm glad we could get that out of the way right right away. Jacob, do you have any strong opinions on either of them? I definitely think both are sandwiches. Okay. But it's, it would be weird to refer to a hot dog as a sandwich when it's more commonly known as a hot dog. That's like <laughs> calling a hero, a, a hero. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. A hero? a hero? A sandwich. Technically, probably, yeah. But you're going to call it a hero because it's a specific type of sandwich. Okay. Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad we could get or that. A Cuban sandwich, you call it a Cuban. I still haven't figured out why it doesn't come out like a cube. I mean, is a Reuben a sandwich? Yeah, I mean, it is. But you order a Reuben, right? You order a Reuben sandwich. I You don't say sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, make sure that you go out there, you download, rate, and review the podcast. Five stars only. Don't want anything less. 
get into our quick hitter. Nelly, new to the podcast, we play a game. Uh, five clues will be given to figure out this player. Could be NFL, could be college, but by the end of the five, I am hoping to have uh, you guys be able to guess who this is. So play along with us if you are listening at home. Number one. I am a wide receiver entering my fifth season in college. Clue two. Last year, I had a 44% weighted dominator rating, and I am currently in the ACC. Do we hold our guesses to the end? Uh, You can tell me when you feel like you have it and just say lock it in. I'll lock it in. Uh. I'll lock mine in as well. Okay, you both have locked it in. Okay. I could. Do you guys want to hear the rest of the clues, or do you want to give your? I feel like you want to give us the rest of the clues. (laughs) Once you start throwing the dominator ratings out, oh man, I'm locked in. (laughs) That's extreme. That's an extremely high dominator. (laughs) Well, who do you who do you think it is? I guess I want to hear your answers, and then I'll go through. I'll go through uh, other clues. Jacob, you want me to go or yeah? Nelly? Well, Nelly's our guest. Nelly, you can go first. Who do you believe it is? I I feel strongly that it's Allie Jennings of Virginia Tech. Allie Jennings. All right, Jacob. I was gonna say Devontae Walker. Devontae Walker. Ooh. All right. Last year, I was number thirteen in the nation in receiving yards with one thousand one hundred and twenty-two. Do we still believe our our names. I think I think Tez Walker's dominator was lower because who's playing alongside Dante Cephas? Okay. I think I'm sticking with my number or with my guy. Number four. I am on a new team this year, and my program has a new head coach. Uh, okay, so we're both wrong. Wow. Is it the Louisville? It's the Louisville transfer. Uh, what is Jamari Thrash? That is correct. My clue number five is, is a Georgia Southern wide receiver better than an Iowa wide receiver for a transfer? That would hopefully give you Jamari Thrash. Wow, give you their uh, 44% weighted dominator rating for Jamari Thrash there at Georgia Southern. Got a lot of fifth-year ACC transfer ups at no, wide receiver. I, thought, I was like, "Oh, that's for sure, Devonta's block." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, and then I kind of went with the ACC to try to throw you off the scent since he hasn't actually played there. But you guys were uh, pretty quick on actually transfers that, uh, and I didn't even give that clue of being a transfer. So you guys were on the right path. So we'll go quickly into the NCAA news. Uh, UTSA had some information that came out there at Media Days. UTSA quarterback Frank Harris said he had an infection, complicated his recovery from off-season knee surgery. He said he's almost back to 100%. Uh, I believe, Chad, you have Frank Harris on your team. Just something to be aware of. I honestly didn't know that he had off-season knee surgery, so that was kind of the first time that I had heard about it. And then with all the other things going on with UTSA, I know they're projected to win their conference, but maybe not by – maybe maybe they're not as solid as we think they are. Maybe they're going to have a little hiccups there at the beginning. 
uh, Joshua Cephas. There's no further fallout from the DWI that's coming. At least that's what it said. And then Coach Jeff Trailer talked about uh, Clark's recovery from knee surgery. Quote, he's right where he's supposed to be. These next three weeks will be big. We won't put him out there until he's ready, whenever that is. I don't really know. Could be Houston. It might not be. I talked about how um, the knee surgery and how he might not be ready for week one. I can't remember if Patrick, he's on your team, or or Chad, he's on your team. I know you had um, uh, a combo there with UTSA. But something to keep in mind come week one. Brett, Cam Rising might not be ready for week one. Um, word out of uh, the Pac-12 media days was there's no limp. So that was something to note, but might not be ready for week one. Branson Robinson is still recovering from a spring injury, but Andrew Paul should be back and ready to go. Uh, also, Blake Corum's knee surgery, uh, he looks to be back and should be ready to go for camp. So tweet, good for you. In other Michigan news, we have Harbaugh getting a four-game suspension uh, because he was dishonest about the NCAA in some investigations last year. I heard something about hamburgers. I don't know exactly what it was. I didn't dive too much into it, but Michigan doesn't really play anybody until the end of the season anyway, so doesn't really matter. They'll just roll out there and and crush people. So no big deal there. Uh, we've got the Minnesota football team had an article come out about P.J. Fleck, about a cult-like following there. Um not that big of a deal, in my opinion, based off of what came out. I was waiting for something more, kind of like the Northwestern news, but, like, nothing happened. It's like, hey, if you do something bad, like, you're in college. We're going to make dumb mistakes. You're going to do dumb stuff. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. But then there's, like, a fleck bank that if you do community service, you get brownie points. If you go to study hall, you get brownie points. If you fail a drug test, you get points taken away. So it's like if you consciously want to fail every drug test, you're going to have to do a lot of good things around the community slash academic stuff. I think it's building a culture. Sounds pretty normal. So uh, I think people wanted there to be something that there's not. Um, I, Brett, I know you mentioned in the, in the chat that uh, – maybe needs to be looking out for his job. I don't really think that's something that Minnesota is going to do. I think they even went out and backed him up after that came out. So not too worried about that, but Jacob, you're in big 12 country. What are your thoughts about Colorado coming back to the big 12? I mean, I love it. We're going to get basically the most talked about program in the country right now to come into the big 12 and then just get eyeballs on kind of big 12 football. That can't be a bad thing. So to me, it's all good news. I don't know when Colorado is going to be back in Ames. That'd be fun to see. Dion will probably be coaching somewhere else by then, but. The other thing that would be great is for other big 12 teams who have recruits that are in the California that they can maybe go to, um, 
after games or or whatnot. I don't know exactly how the um, recruiting process works there, but like after a game, I'm assuming you can probably just pop over, watch a couple games, or have people come in to watch the game there. Um, but I think that's really good there for all Big Twelve teams and. It is, and I, you know, I think there's a lot of speculation on if the Big 12 will add more. I think they will add more, but like Brett Yormark's been very open the entire time that he wants a team in every time zone. So he wants to be competing with all conferences at all time slots for college football and college Nelly, in general. So, Nelly, do you have any uh, thoughts or opinions on Colorado going to the Big 12? Yeah, I mean, it's. Best case scenario for Big 12 teams because it's high exposure with the poor competition, right? It's like you get a likely win with eyeballs. I mean, that that's a good thing. I don't I don't buy the Dion smoke that much um, in terms of um, them actually building a good program there. But uh, like if you're in a Big 12 football team, you're you're super happy right now. And this is kind of the first big domino between the back tw- Pac-12 and Big 12 in terms of who's going to kind of take that step forward and consequently who's who's going to fall behind. And so it's a big win for the Big 12. Now for the Pac-12, the fallout is we had media days this week. Their commissioner, I don't have the quote in front of me, but said something to the effect of we're not going to field any questions about our TV deal. How he how he phrased it made it sound like there was a TV deal um, that was agreed to, and we're just not going to talk about it. And then a reporter asked about it, and then he was like, "No, I think you're reading into this too much." Da 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 da. Well, then, like the next day, Colorado leaves. I think that signifies the Pac-12 does not have any sort of TV deal in place. They don't know what's going on. I don't know how I'm going to watch any Cal football. I don't know how I'm going to watch, you know, you'll get your UCLA's on TV. How am I going to watch Arizona State? I don't really know because they don't have a TV deal right now. We're like 30 days away from the season. Well, and whether Colorado is going to turn that program, like if Dion's going to turn that program around or not, whether they're good or bad, that TV deal is worth less now with Dion not being there. Because no matter what, people are going to tune in to see what's going on with Colorado. And nothing has happened yet, but then there was a tweet that said, you know, Big 12 is trying to get UConn, which that would make a lot of sense to try to corner the basketball market. And then if you want another team from the Pac-12, you get Arizona, Arizona State, because I think you're going to get both of them. You're not going to just get one of them. But if you can get Arizona, you get Arizona basketball, and then you got Colorado that doesn't have to travel as far for other games. You get, you know, those – it would make a lot of sense. And, and your mark has done stuff uh, in the basketball world, does stuff at, like, Rockefeller Park and, and whatnot. So that would kind of make sense if he's trying to corner now and make them appealing to be if there is the SEC and Big Ten, like, Big Two conferences – to make that argument that you can't get rid of us because we have all these basketball teams. You got Kansas, you could have Arizona, you could have UConn. You can't get rid of us. So I think he's strategic, strategic, strategizing. I don't know from Iowa. <laughs> he's being strategic in, uh, in how he's going about it. And I think 
that's really good for the Big 12, not just for football, but for everything else. That does it for our NCAA news. Jacob, is there anything in the NFL world that you want to talk about? There is. Um, I don't know how much I want to talk about it, but uh, Jordan Addison caught speeding. He was going like 140. Uh, he did say that it was he had a dog emergency, which, you know, I get speeding for your dog. I get that. But maybe 140 is a little bit. A little bit much, and you also have the correlation of like dog ate my home homework type deal. You know, I got with, caught with my hand in the cookie jar, but we'll never know. So we're gonna believe him, and he just needs to take that down to like eighty five. <laughs> so then, um, Justin Herbert got paid, so he is now your, I believe, the NFL's highest paid quarterback. So. I think you, you have to lock up the quarterbacks once they kind of emerge like that, get them on young deals. Because even like right now, when Patrick Mahomes got paid, I was like, that is way too much money. And now you're actually looking at his contract, and you're like, that's kind of reasonable. So it, it doesn't take long with the, with the salary cap going up and all that. Then Saquon Barkley, um, obviously he was in the news a lot just because, you know, NFL doesn't really want to pay running backs and – it seems to be a devalued position. Um, he did kind of make some comments, I guess, on podcasts and stuff like that. But then he kind of came back and took a deal that was basically a million bucks more in incentives. So um, I don't know if you guys want to talk about that. But Nelly, feel if you got any thoughts or opinions. Yeah, it's a tough position. It's like the—I mean, we were talking a little bit about appreciation, but the running backs just have no leverage, right? Like anything they can do to hurt the NFL teams to try and incentivize them to to pay them more hurts themselves more. Like if Saquon sits out a year, it hurts the Giants, sure, but it hurts Saquon more because he doesn't make that money and he's taking a year off from football, which historically has not been great for running backs. So it's it's just tough. I mean, they had that meeting. Um, and I would imagine it was probably just a frustrating meeting because there's they're they're looking for answers that don't exist unless some sort of like weird structure is instituted to create like a more balanced pay system. But I just I don't see that happening because it's it's very strategic right now in terms of you have a, a salary cap, right? But you have to figure out how to optimize it in order to build a team and as it stands currently spending a lot of money on running backs is, is not a great strategy and it stinks because it's such a fun position, right? Like yep. running backs, aren't kickers like running backs. Pe people grow up watching running backs, wanting to be a running back. Right. But in terms of like the actual value that you provide to winning football games, it's just, it's not as high as maybe historically perceived. That was yeah. kind of, going to be like another point that I made was just I mean cornerbacks did not get paid until Deion Sanders came in and kind of revolutionized that position and then all of a sudden NFL teams took note that he was actually changing the game on the defensive side of the football so maybe we're just kind of in a dry spell of not having those types of difference makers at that position I know we all look at Saquon and kind of him coming out of college it was like a this can't miss prospect but in the grand scheme of things as he is he that special of a player to kind of reset that market and change team opinions? Because really you're trying to change the league's opinion on what a running back is right now. And I don't think you can because I can't remember who tweeted it out or exactly all the names that are on the tweet, but it was like, here are all the 
running backs have been on Super Bowl winning teams. Isaiah Pacheco, Cam Akers. Um, I think Garrett Blount was on it like three times. It was like those aren't the guys that are getting these mega deals. It's like these rentals. Um, you got Leonard Fournette, I think, was on there for the for the Tom Brady Tampa Bay team. It's like they're not expensive, and I think that's the hard part to change there. Is it's hard to it's hard to change that thought process when you have those results. Plus, as an owner, granted, you make a lot, you have a lot of money, but you also you've got to pay all the guys on IR. It's like I don't know how many it is, seventy-five guys, eighty-five guys, something like that. You got to pay them. It's like can't pay everybody a lot. You've had a CBA. This is what players agreed to. I get it. It's been three years. It was twenty twenty when it, the CBA was renegotiated. But you're always going to have somebody who's not happy. Like okay, next CBA, running backs get paid more, but now you're guards are pissed because they're not being valued the way that they think they should be. Somebody's always going to be unhappy from the player side, from the owner side. That's kind of what's a negotiation. But nobody was upset about it until like this year. So. Well, and then your your drop off from your starting running back to kind of your backup, it, it's not that huge. I mean, we saw it with Saquon Barkley when he was injured one year and then Wayne Gallman came in and was actually very effective. It's like Maybe we can get by this way and pour some money into some other positions. Plus, you got to carry like four or five running backs on your roster, anyways. So you do have to pay the position. You're just not paying a single player, like at quarterback. But so then the last thing I had happened today. Joe Burrow went down with a non-contact injury. I was kind of following that one because initially when I saw it, it definitely looked like an Achilles. But then it looks like he's flexing his foot in another video that I just saw. So we might have escaped any kind of season-ending injury. But just looks like a calf strain or something like that. That would not have been fun for anything fantasy football related. I'm no. also in the program. He was my first pick. So that would have not been fun at all <laughs> to endure this season without Joe Burrow. Yeah, so he's probably not playing at all in preseason or probably barely practicing up until the start of the season. <laughs> probably. Well, Nelly, we brought you on to break down our teams from a Devi standpoint. I think you also gave us a, a bonus on what it looks like when you mix in the CFF producers. But you have not... I didn't give you who these people were, so you don't know who owns which teams. I just gave you their college rosters, and you don't know what their NFL teams look like. So maybe they're de- maybe they're Debbie depleted, but they could be uh, looking pretty good on the NFL side. So this is just looking at our college rosters, breaking it down from a Debbie standpoint. What did you come away with? Yeah, definitely a wide spectrum here, right? Uh, I kind of broke it down ten teams. Uh, I, I basically have five tiers. I felt like there were pretty, there were some teams that were close, but there were drop offs um, between groups of teams. So I split it up that way. Definitely, the rankings that I'm using here are definitely um, from that Debbie perspective, right? Like who is going to get the most impact on their NFL roster from these college college teams? Um, I do want to say. 
strategically, one of the things that I kind of preach in Campus to Canton is uh, trying to win on the college side every year. So you don't need to necessarily sacrifice the Devi side, but like I'm a big fan of drafting a bunch of CFF guys, especially late rather than like low four-star freshmen, high, high three-star freshmen. I think it's better bang for your buck there because even if you, even these teams that have like great Debbie prospects moving forward, you're waiting three, four years to actually realize that value on the NFL side by the time all these players get drafted and then become impact players in the NFL. It's kind of a long return, right? So if in the meantime, you can also win some money on the college side, it's like, it's kind of an easier path to profitability if that's what you value. Um, but that being said, the, the the fun part of campus to Canton, I would say, is the the pipeline of of Debbie players from your college team to your NFL team, building just this like factory that turns into a uh, that turns into a, a dynasty on the NFL side, right? Like that's like that's like this long term build. It's like FIFA career mode. If if any of you guys are familiar with that, it's like you put time for years in, and then eventually it all pays off, and you have a dynasty. It's it's a great feeling. Um, we- we actually uh, got together this year as a league. There was probably – so there's 10 of us. So there was probably like seven or six of us that got together on day two of the NFL draft. Yep. Went to a guy's house, and we just watched our guys get drafted and figured out where the guys were getting taken. We even had two trades that happened, I believe, during during it. Uh, Jacob, who was it? You had, you had Jonathan Mingo on your team. And he got drafted, and you're like, does anyone want Jonathan Mingo? Nate says, let's talk. Yep. He got dealt right away. That's a lot of fun. Uh, for most people, I would say tough night for the Keishan Boutte owners, the Sean Tucker owners, and the Zach Evan owners, which um, I, I was I was also affected. So I, I commiserate with those those managers. Great two days of the draft. <laughs> <laughs> it was – but it definitely makes the whole like I admit it before camps to Canton leagues. I watch day one of the draft. I'll tune in a little bit for day two because I want to see what running backs go, and then like don't really care. Camps to Canton leagues. I want to know where everybody went, and it's been a lot of fun. I was unbelievably hyped up to see Demario Douglas get drafted in the sixth round of the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So. Give us your uh, rankings from worst to best in regards to a Devi standpoint. So would you like me to go, like, just go down through the rankings right now? You want me to talk about each team as, as I... Let's talk about each team as, as you, uh, why you have them ranked where you are. And it looks like you also have them put in kind of tiers, too. So you can kind of talk, you said you had five tiers, and you can talk about that. Yeah, so my this the the last tier uh, teams ten and nine. I would describe this tier as just the grimace emoji, like the uh, <laughs> the like gritted teeth, like ooh, uh, tough scene. The future doesn't look great. Um, so unfortunately, in the ten spot we have Hafe for KC. Uh, hopefully, I'm saying that correctly. Yep. Yep. I would say the one bright spot on this roster is Brandon Innes. Um, he better hit because otherwise I don't know if any of these other guys are touching an NFL roster. Uh, maybe some late day three guys. I actually do like the CFF build here. 
Um, and this guy loves his uh, his transfer ups, his his G five to power five wide receiver transfer ups, which I appreciate. Ali Jennings, Elijah Spencer, Isaiah Nayor. I mean, I love those guys. That's fun, but also like NFL long shots. So unfortunately, uh, someone had to be last. Um, uh, so so yeah, <laughs> Brett, Brett, you are last. We've been telling you this. Something if you don't change. If you don't sell your Stefan Diggs, if you don't sell your – who else has he got? Tyreek Hill. Well, that's the issue, right? Those guys are both like 30 now, and those are like his two last nice assets on the NFL side. Got You got to be working some deals, getting some guys, but you can't – I would say like a tear down and then get some prospects because yeah. if you just go all prospects and they all don't hit, then – Yeah, don't do that. Even worse. So, what do you think, Nelly, about uh, Tory Horton? Oh, I actually highlighted him as an NFL guy, as a potential NFL guy. I think anything more than day three is kind of still a pipe dream at this point. But he's super talented. I mean, when he was a freshman at Nevada, he performed and he was playing alongside a couple NFL guys in, in uh, what, Cole Turner? Is it Cole Turner or Cole Tucker, the the commander's tight end, and uh, Romeo Dubs? Yep. Um, so, I mean, fr- from early on, he was actually someone who I've had my eye on. And he's kind of like this like perfect kind of NFL mold of a wide receiver right now. He's got a, a ton of speed. Um, he's, what is he, like six foot, six one, a little bit skinny, but that doesn't matter as much anymore. And the production is, is fantastic, even on a really bad team. All right. Well, who else do you got here in this tier? Yeah, so the nine spot, just a little bit above uh, Hafe, is Spears Hill. Whew, hate to see it, Nate. Hate to see it. Sorry, Nate. I think you're kind of riding. I mean, the numbers of guys here who I think have a good shot to be day two or earlier in the NFL draft is is a pretty short list. Uh, I highlighted Keon Coleman and Dallin Hayden as my two favorites. Uh, I think Bucky Irving and Richard Young or a couple other guys here. You have some freshmen. I'm not super high on freshmen as a whole. Like guys like Aiden Childs and Avery Johnson and Sam Levitt are, are guys that I am much lower on than the community. Um, so maybe this is a biased viewpoint here. If you're high on those guys, then you could feel better about your team than I would if I was in your position. Do you think Donovan Smith can play quarterback? Um, I think he's going to score a bunch of points this year, but uh, NFL-wise, no. All right. That does it for that tier. Then we're going to move on to our tier four of players. Who do we got here? Yeah, another two teams here. Uh, I have Golden Domers in the eight spot. All right, Chad. He was our cellar dweller on the NFL side, so he's got some hope of some players coming up. Yeah, um, I did like, I pointed, I mean, Dante Moore obviously is a super fun one. He's probably the single best Debbie asset here. Also, Roma Dunze and, and Jacob Cowling uh, are guys who I think have a great shot to go day two next year. Roma Dunze even has a shot to go day one. Uh, and there's some upside guys here like Kyle McCord, Ja'Cory Brooks. Um, I, Audric Estime is someone who I highlighted as well. Um, so there's a little bit more hope here. Dante Moore is a more elite asset as well than anyone that we kind of saw in the previous tier. 
and all those names that you mentioned, other than estimate, correct me if I'm wrong, Jacob, but Chad traded for. Yep. Corey Brooks traded for. Um, who are some other names that you mentioned? Odunze. Odunze, I believe he traded Ian for. Cowling, maybe, maybe he got him. He might have drafted him. Yep. But then Dante Moore, he traded you for 102 mm -hmm. or 103. I don't know. I traded away 102 and 103. So, yeah. So, Nelly, Jacob traded away 102 and 103 to different people, but he got a 2024 first and second round pick for both of those. A 2024 first and second round pick for both of those? Yep. Supplemental. Oh, so like two firsts and two seconds? So, yeah. Well, so like he sold 102, sold 102 for, a for a first and a second next year, and then I sold the 103 for a first and a second next year, then somehow ended up with the 102 again and did it again. <laughs> I've got like – I've got half the first and second round next year, but – Nice. Uh are you expecting those to be early first next year? Was that part of the thought process? Not necessarily. I've got I I've just got this weird kind of quarterback situation on my on my NFL side that I don't need to prior. I feel like I don't need to prioritize quarterback, but I mean, you can tell Nelly hasn't looked at NFL squads. Who who are your NFL quarterbacks? So as of right now, I've got um, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Deshaun Watson, and Anthony Richardson. So okay, and a super flex. And so then I feel like I can kind of move back in that first round, get some more, I don't know, running backs, wide receivers, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you guys are switching to a five quarterback league soon, I think you'll be good. Yeah. I should probably trade. Hopefully Anthony Richardson hits and then I'll trade one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Kyle McCourty traded for. So if more of the story here is Chad, your trades have been pretty good in, in getting some Debbie assets. Yeah. I mean, if all those guys are coming in via trade, well done. Um, and thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Who is um, next? Yeah. Seven spot. Oh, and by the way, this tier, I think I'm just going to go with emojis for the tier. So this is the, the smiling, but sweating emoji. Okay. Um, so not quite as uh, pessimistic as the previous tier, but probably still a little room for improvement. Um, seven spot here, I have Seabock, 84. Okay. Corey, coming in at number seven. I think there's a chance you get a first-round quarterback out of either Klubnik or Bo Nix. Um, Will Shipley, Ted McMillan, and Caleb Johnson are all guys I like. Um, I think upside is capped a little bit on them. Like I would, I, like I, well, I guess Ted McMillan maybe if he explodes, but uh, the running backs are day two guys at best, I would say. And you do have some good like wide receiver long shots toward the bottom. Uh, I, I highlighted Keegan Keegan Johnson, Dominic Lovett, Adonai Mitchell, Kobe Prentice. So, um, I mean, we we're up in the seven range here. So like there there's improvement. There's this is like definitely clear of of that bottom tier all right moves us to the next tier. what emoji is this next here this is the thinking emoji like hand on chin like looking up like pondering emoji okay um in the sixth spot is farm system uh right. 
All right, Graham, that is you coming in at number six. Favorite asset on your team is Donovan Edwards. Um, he's, I think, the the best the best single prospect that we've talked about so far. Also, like Connor Wegman, Devin Neal. I like Dorian Singer, and I mean a guy like Malachi Corley is phenomenal for CFF. But also, he's starting to get NFL buzz. He'll hit your NFL roster. There are a couple other uh, like deeper guys here: Javante Barnes, Noah Rogers, Deuce Robinson. Um, so there, there's a, a high number of guys here that, uh, or the, the number of guys who could make an impact is increasing. Thoughts on uh, Deuce Robinson getting a wide receiver tag there on the USC roster. If Fantrax decides to label him as a wide receiver only, do you feel the same about him from a, Debbie standpoint and CFF standpoint? Uh, no, I don't think so. I really don't like it, right? Because, like, it would dev- – the whole cool thing with tight ends is if you get an elite one, there's just so much value over replacement. Uh, and it's probably easier to be uh, considered an elite tight end than an elite wide receiver because you have to do a little bit less. Um, so, like, if he puts up not quite elite tight end numbers – which is like a very high-level outcome, but is labeled as a wide receiver. He's like a wide receiver three, um, which is not ideal. So, no, I mean, I really don't like that. It certainly devalued him. That being said, he's like 6'5", right? Like, I think I'm remembering that correctly. Like, I think he's a tight end at the end of the day. Thoughts on – so you give us your thoughts on Malachi Corley. For context, Malachi Corley was taken in the 11th round, or thir- so 11th to 13th. One of those supplemental rounds two years ago. So, mm. so Dennis grabbed him in a supplemental and hit gold with uh, the CFF production there. Yeah, that's great value. And I mean, like, the CFF, he, he paid off and then some – solely with that CFF production. So any sort of NFL upside on top is like a cherry on top. I'm trying to think of other other people in this. Definitely going to do it again, too. As long as he stays healthy, he's going to have a big year again. Yeah, massive. Because he's in the slot, right? It's hard to kind of mm-hmm. scheme against a slot guy. That just that's kind of just happens. All 40-plus times a game. Yeah. All right. Then we've got... In the thinking emoji still. Yeah, five spot. So now we're we're hitting the above average territory here. I have the boogeyman. Uh also still thinking. Uh lots of deep shots here, which is why they, they got uh they got the nod over over the farm system. But I love Quinchon Judkins. Uh I think Malik Neighbors is a pretty high tier asset as well. And then Two other favorite guys I noted down were Anton Wells, who I think is still underrated despite the fact that he keeps getting more and more buzz. And I love Riley Leonard. I think Riley Leonard has as good of a shot to be the third quarterback off the board next year in the NFL draft as any other quarterback, right? Like, I think it's a low possibility, but I think it's a low possibility for all the quarterbacks. A couple of fun freshmen, Roderick Robinson, Cam Seldon. Um, I pointed out to Maureen Hart and Malik Benson as well. Nathan Leacock's on this team, Cordo Russell. I mean, there's a lot to be excited for uh, moving forward. So you had mentioned a lot of deep shots. If this team were to hit on, let's just say, half 
half of those deep shots. What, where would you put them if you, if you knew those answers? Um, I, I mean, it would move up into the next tier, right? I have a, I have a tier of three teams, two through four. Okay. Um, so if like a couple of these freshmen hit early, it shifts them up into that next tier. There is a uh, little foreshadowing, but there is, there is certainly one team that clears right now. Well, Jacob, this is your team. Do you want to talk to Nelly a little bit about your team? Yeah, basically I, I kind of had a rebuild. So I went pretty – in our startup three years ago, so 2020, I went pretty heavy on like Traylon Burks, B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, got all got a lot of good assets, and then they've kind of transitioned off my roster, and now I'm sitting with – okay, I'm – I have a bunch of assets that haven't done anything for me too. Cause I had like a Jai Hall, Eric Gilbert, some of those guys. Um, so I kind of spent the last two years overhauling the entire thing. So for the most part, it's pretty young, but tried to get a few Debbie assets. So I have something hitting my roster hopefully every year, but. Yeah. And I mean, I think you will. I mean, I think there's enough names. I didn't even, I mean, I like Gadsden. I like Fomafa. I highlighted Jonathan Brooks, Jordan Travis, Jordan Tyson. These are all guys who I would consider long shots, but I would say are non-zero chances to to provide impact. And then a peek behind the curtain, as I would say, Jacob is definitely a top – I haven't looked at everybody's NFL teams, but definitely a top three team probably going into the, the season. Yeah. I mean, and if you move a quarterback, that shifts that – that probably shifts that up even more. Oh, all got, right. We got plans. We got, we got plans. All right. What is our next tier of emojis? I think it's just like the, the teeth smiling face, right? Like it's just a very happy. Like if, you, if you're in this tier of three teams here, I think you just feel happy. You feel good about what's to come. And be, before uh, we go over this, this team here, if you are driving, please pull over. And come to a complete stop. We do not want any car wrecks, because Nelly is about—he is about to just wow the league right here. Oh, am I? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, four spot is SEC FTW. Patrick, SEC for the win. You are at number four for Debbie prospects, and Jake- you are very strongly carried by quarterbacks. That—that's why you're up here. I mean, Drake May is an absolute stud. Uh, and Arch Manning is uh, the biggest name in college football that hasn't taken a snap yet. Jacob, do you want to talk, talk to Nelly a little bit about who Patrick is as a manager in this league? So Patrick really only cares about the NFL side. And he's kind <laughs> of uh, – he's willing to just like trade away his first-round picks in the supplemental draft um, to just have like shots at basically players going into the NFL draft. Um but yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if he'd be the first team that didn't fill out the forty five man roster at some point, and he just kind of took shots at you know three top. I think he had like I actually liked his draft, but I think he only had six picks in our fifteen round supplemental draft, and he went with three kind of Devi guys right at the top, and then traded all the middle picks, and then went with three Devi guys at the bottom, and called it a day. So yeah. he ended up yeah. well. He took Arch at one hundred one. Had Jerion Dickey in the second. Um, even in the last round, maybe took uh, 
Sperlin, uh, tight end out of Georgia, some like had a solid, solid draft. Yeah, and by the way, I want to be clear here. Like the team as a whole kind of stinks for college. So, so, so hold your horses a little bit. Um, like I think this team will struggle to fill out a weekly lineup. So. Very good chance it's competing for the 101 next year. But, like, a team with Drake May is a team I like for Debbie prospects. Would it surprise you if we told you that this team has yet to win a college football game going into (laughs) year three? No, there's a lot of guys on this roster that aren't even on college teams. So it makes it easier to not win games when that's that's an option. (laughs) We all have our own strategy. But Patrick, your strategy is to get guys in the NFL. Looks like Pernelli, you're accomplishing that. Yeah, yeah. And other than the two quarterbacks named, and you did say Jerry and Dickey. I mean, JJ McCarthy. I don't think he's good, but some people who might know what they're talking about do. Um, Ktron Allen. I'm also a big fan of Isaiah Bond, Hakeem Williams. All worth shouts here. Right. All right. Three spot here. Uh, still in the the very happy smiley face tier is hot dog water. Ian, congratulations, making the top three in Debbie potential. Yeah, and this has a there is a, I mean Branson Robinson, Xavier Worthy are like borderline elite assets, but there are just a lot of really good assets on this team. Uh, Barry and Brown, Antonio Williams, Luther Burton, Troy Franklin. I mean that's a fantastic wide receiver room. Added Zachariah Branch this year. Um, and then like Jatavian Sanders is a good shot to go in the first round next year in the NFL draft. Trevor Etienne has the bloodline and the talent. Ruben Owens got added this year. Uh, I mean, that's just a bunch of names that play for like blue blood programs and have produced already. Um, so it's like a pretty like uh, day two draft capital is probably expected for a majority of these guys, if not day one at this point. A couple of those names you mentioned, he he had traded for. So I believe he traded for C.J. Donaldson. Um, also yep. made a trade for Jatavian right. Sanders. He also traded away Malik Neighbors. I can't remember what he got back. In yeah, return. I traded uh, for Malik Neighbors and traded him Luther Burden. Then I yep. moved up in the draft. Yep. Ooh, I like the Neighbors side there for what it's worth. I do too. <laughs> I didn't. I just. I don't know. I think Luther Burton's a really good player. It's just I didn't love his usage. I guess last year and it kind of scared me off a little bit. Yeah, second best wide receiver on the team, if you ask me. So. <laughs> so yeah. 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 <laughs> and then Oliver Stewart is he a placeholder for J. Michael Sturdivant? Am I remembering that correctly? That is correct. Yep. Also worth the shout. I like J. Michael Sturdivant. Speed for days. I think he's going to have a huge year at UCLA this year. And Ian, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but he was like a 14th round supplemental pick or something for you. 14th, 13th, something like that. Great value. Yeah. Uh, This is another one of those teams. I don't like a borderline play of team college football, I would say. There's not a lot of heavy hitters here. But the Devi pipeline is super strong. I think uh, and the, yeah, has he made the playoffs yet, Jacob? I don't. I think he like just missed out each year. Me too. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that kind of checks out with the roster. 
a um, lot of Power 5 guys. You got to dip your toes into the G5 waters to find the, the CFF studs for cheap. All right, number two. Two spot, we have five-star culture. All right, um, tweet. That is you. Coming in at number two. Yeah, just a few more elite assets. Maybe not quite as deep, but uh, Drew Lahr, Mike Buka, and Braylon Allen are like three guys that are all probably slightly more valuable than any single person on the previous team. So that's what gave them the edge. Also love Trey Benson, Tez Walker. Uh, Blake Corum, I think, is being slept on a little bit. Added Nico this year, Ian Malieva. And um, uh, Mario Williams, I think, is a post-hype sleeper. I mean, I think there's a good chance Mario Williams leads USC in receiving yards this year. Um, so those were kind of the names that that stood out to me for this team. He made some trades on this team, uh, brought in via trade – Bo Collins brought in who else? Braylon Allen brought in Blake Corum. Are there any other names that you're thinking of, Jacob, that he has been able to bring in via the trade? Uh, he doesn't trade with me, so. Well, that's not true. Draft During the NFL draft, he made two trades with you. But. One. One, oh, it was just one. Okay. So I think those are like his three probably big name trades that he had come in. But otherwise, pretty much everything is a draft draft picks that have made up his team. Yeah, and I actually like what he did freshman-wise this year. I think Nico Yamalieva, uh, Quentin Joyner, and Jalen Hale are all like bigger recruits with less hype, especially in the campus to Canton space. Uh, Jalen Hale's a five-star going to Alabama and is like going as like wide receiver 10 in, in freshman drafts. Uh, Nico is, is the quarterback won by a lot of recruiting, um, uh, recruiting services and, and doesn't get drafted that way. And Quinn Joyner is up at like running back four in the composite and also does not get drafted that way and might get early time at USC. So those are guys, those are guys that I've been drafting, uh, in, in supplemental drafts. So, um, I like that addition here. All right, and then we got our next tier. So I think, uh, think Joiner Campus Canton had him as like one of four running backs to hit over twenty-two miles per hour, and he's the only one that's like, well, it's him and Selden, but they're the only two that are over two hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah, and I mean at US, there's no one crazy talented at USC. So he looked good in the spring game. I, I think he sees the field there. Um, so, so yeah. Okay. So by process of elimination, uh, the last team is, or the first team is the prospects seems as though that's Luke's team. Um, I, 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 my prediction is that Luke's NFL team is awful. Um, no, it, I'm seeing nods otherwise, but I mean, like I was trying to figure out where all the, like the top assets were. Uh, Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., Nick Singleton, Rocket Sanders, Brock Bowers, Trivion Henderson. Like, there are other names, a lot of names that I've highlighted, but like uh, that alone would have done it. All right, so all you people needing Devi guys, I've got some. Brett, Nate, Golden Domers, Chad, 
Corey, there at the bottom, I, I've apparently got a couple if you are interested. Also, tweet, even though you have a lot of you, – you're doing pretty well on the Debbie side here, um, your NFL team is absolute trash. <laughs> you're going to want to do something. Get more. So, Nelly – I believe he's projected like 30 points beneath like whoever's supposed to come in last or second to last. Yeah, he's not been very good. Which one was that five star culture? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you said that you did you get a chance to look at this then from a CFF standpoint if you were to kind of gel some of those together? Yeah, I mean, it looks strong there. I mean, you've got some of the big names, right? Uh, Austin Reed, potential QB1. Bryn and Finn and Millen are all good quarterbacks. I love Sia Bangora. He's one of my favorite running backs for CFF, and he's got multiple years ahead of him. Uh, Wigless, Jamal, Jamari Thrash, and then like a lot of the a lot of the Debbie guys also cross over. You know, like Squirrel White, uh, I think is going to be super productive. Jalen McMillan, um, yeah. Uh, Derwin Burgess, Jamal Banks. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a undisputably good team. Who would you have as a from just the CFF side of it? Who would you? So we've got a ten-team league. Six teams make the playoffs. Okay. Would you? Would you have it the same top six here are going to make the playoffs, or would you uh, maybe change some of those up? Would I think you said Hafe KC had some pretty good CFF guys. Would you have him in your playoffs? Uh potentially. He does he did a really good job hitting like the the G five guys. Um who was it who I mentioned earlier? Uh SEC FTW drops way out of the playoffs despite the, the Debbie strength. Um just skimming through here. Because Hafe KC has been in the championship game the last two years yeah it doesn't surprise me i mean like his tight end group is really strong as well which is something that's kind of hard to do on on the college side and provides a lot of value um he's got a lot of these kind of like top tier g5 names so that would not surprise me at all um it is pretty close i mean like other than well not even like there are teams that are weaker, but there are no teams that are like super teams for CFF purposes. All right. Well, if you had to pick our championship game, you don't even have to pick our champion. We know it's going to be me. If you have to pick our championship game on the NCAA side, what teams are you pairing up? Um. I'll tell you what, I think quarterbacks are the backbone in a three QB. Um, I love what uh, the boogeymen have going on at quarterback. Whew. I think that's a super strong quarterback group. The The flexes need to probably fill out pretty well. Uh, there's not a ton of depth, so things need to hit perfectly. Um, now let's see. Uh, I don't want to go with the prospects, but I might have to go with the prospects. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just too many heavy hitters to ignore. So, Jacob, do you want to talk a little bit more about your team and the NCAA side and quarterbacks? Because you've kind of had this uh, 
nice array of picking up some quarterbacks, trading quarterbacks, and then pretty much punting the NCAA side and then deciding, you know what, this year I'm going for it. What do you mean? I just think they're like like a Riley Leonard. Like if I had saved my waivers last year, I would have been all over him just picking him up, and there's instant value there. And I feel like sometimes our league will let these quarterbacks kind of sit out there. Um, and so I think I have a good process, I guess, for identifying potential Debbie like quarterbacks. Um, whereas other people I think might look at it and be like, okay, he plays for Duke and Riley Leonard. He's not a NFL quarterback, but then it's not it's still power five. It's not entirely true. Um, like I, who was it last year that sat out on the waiver wire the entire season? He was a G5 guy. He was a G5 guy, but he sat on the waiver wire the entire season scoring 32 points a game. Curtis Rourke at Ohio. No. I remember he's he was like an itty-bitty guy. I'll have to go and look it up, and I'll put it in the chat, I guess, once we're done here. But he sat on the waiver wire the entire season scoring 32 points a game because he wasn't a Debbie asset. Granger? No. Todd Santeo at uh, Centeo. James Madison. Yep, Santeo. So he was scoring 32 points a game out there, and he just sat on the waiver wire, and I'm like, well, he's outscoring my three quarterbacks right now <laughs> every single week. So why is he just sitting there? And I think people are just like, well, he's not He's not going to get to the NFL. And the reality is, is regardless of how good a quarterback class is, you're looking at maybe three that are actually going to be difference makers on your NFL team. The rest are probably going to be closer to like a Kenny Pickett, kind of middle of the road. And that's probably not going to win you a championship on the NFL side either. Yeah, I think that checks out. Um, I will say, looking at it again, there's probably not as much depth as I would feel comfortable with. Like all these these guys have to hit CFF-wise and have good matchups when it matters. Um, But the, the ceiling's there. All right, so that would be a uh, a championship of co-hosts if uh, if we could get that to happen. It'd be nice to have someone else finish second as opposed to Brett each year. I'm <laughs> sure the league would also agree. So, well, Nelly, before I get you out of here, I didn't put this on the on the show sheet. Do you have any uh, hot take for this coming? season whether it's nfl or college football or something that you think is going to happen um well i i I, nfl wise i'm a steelers fan i think this is the year that mike tomlin goes below 500 team just stinks and the division is so strong don't think Kenny Pickett is it. I think George Pickens is incredibly overrated and the defense is aging and the coaching is terrible. Like the offensive coordinator is back for some reason. Um, Is that Canada, right? Yeah. I would like them to be bad, um, which is such a terrible thing to say as a fan. I feel awful saying it, but we need to get really bad for a little bit to bounce back. We've been floating in mediocrity forever. Um, so I guess that's it, logically it's not a hot take, but if you told a Steelers fan that um, with a, who has a little bit less insight into how things work, they would they would be shocked. Um, 
Thoughts on Najee thoughts on Najee Harris. Jacob, huge fan of Najee Harris. Just loves the guy. Right, Jacob? <laughs> Not really. I think he's I don't know. I we did a I did a startup this year and I feel like his value is more proportionate than where it was. Yeah, I actually up, I'm like no way. I think his value is fine. Uh he's so unexciting. Like so incredibly unexciting, which is bizarre for a first round running back. Like yeah. what an awful, awful pick. Despite he's a great guy, but great guy. I don't want to disparage him as a person, but like value wise, not worth a first round pick. Won't like shouldn't get paid a lot of money because what he does is incredibly replaceable. As we've seen, Jalen Warren is very minimally worse than him. Um he just always picked him up off the street. Of, he always reminded me of Gus Edwards. Who I actually think is a good running back, but he just like is that a first rounder? I mean, is that a is that a team changer? I, yeah, yeah. No, I mean uh, Gus Edwards. I don't think was drafted, right? So like, no. that's that's the painful part of the the comparison. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We've had a lot of bad like value usage on draft picks, like all down the spine. We've drafted like running backs, safeties. Uh, middle linebackers, and it's like that breaks all the rules of what you should do. So it, we've, we've turned to page the past couple of years, so hopefully it actually works out. Uh, College-wise, hot take. Um, I'll give you a hot take. I think that there is a very, very good chance that Drake May is the 101 in the NFL draft next year. I think that the NFL loves size at the quarterback position. I think that Caleb Williams is six foot. Like he's like he listed six one, I think he's probably shorter than that. Meanwhile, Drake May is like six four, six five, is maybe a better athlete than Caleb Williams, and um, he's like he's one of those guys that's gonna look great in shorts at pro days, right? So, if the season turns out well, he is a new offensive coordinator, which provides uncertainty. He's got like a completely overhauled wide receiver room. If everything goes to plan with him, I think there, I think it's probably a 50-50 shot that he's the 101. All right. Well, that will do it for us tonight. After this, I'm going to do a short clip that I'm going to put into our uh, podcast here. Our homely got a shout-out on the Campus Life episode. So if you guys didn't listen, go download that. Otherwise, I will put that short clip about our our home league uh, in here at the end. So, Nelly, thank you for taking time out of your night to join us tonight. We really appreciate it, giving context to the league, helping people make some decisions, understanding what they have on their roster uh, for going forward. So thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Lo- I'd love to talk ball. Like talking in campus to Canton is just so much fun. I could do yeah. it, do it all day. We love it. Well, thank you. Hey, Jacob, before we go, I want to let you know, start your studs and don't hate the player, hate the game, and I'm Triple H. Good night. I don't get it. He also runs a podcast, which I think is really cool, for his home league. They have a home C2C league, which first off, like, we finally, we, Colin and I (laughs) own between the two of us 29% of Campus to Kim. (laughs) And haven't been able to get this out of any of our friends. We finally, yeah. finally have finagled it this offseason where we had to include Felix and Eric Froton to get to 12. We only had 10 people that were interested. 
Uh, but yeah. he does a, a weekly show for his pot for his home league where they do a show on what's going on in the league. They they try to cover if there's been recent transactions and trades, and they they rip on people and. But you don't necessarily have to just be a part of the league to enjoy the show. They've had some player interviews. They've had us on. They talk some strategy. They talk incoming freshmen. They really cover everything. So it's a really cool show. It's a really good idea. Love to see more of those popping up here over the next uh, couple of years as this space continues to grow. Time to play the game. Time to play the game.